Girlfriends, episode number 113, Living a Writer's Life with author Amy Schisler. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, we're talking with fiction author Amy Schisler about the joys and challenges of living a writer's life and how she writes romance novels without all the ick. Can't wait to share our conversation. Let's get going. Hey, girlfriends, how are you? Greetings from LA. I told you I was coming out for the Los Angeles Religious Ed Congress, and it just finished up yesterday. It's early, early here, local time anyway, early in the morning um, on Monday. And I'm going to be making my way home today. I'm so glad this has felt like a really long trip, but it's been a great trip. You can probably hear in my voice that I have talked to a lot of people this weekend. <laughs> Um, it was wonderful, though. This was the first time ever, even though Lisa Hendy has been a representative at L.A. Congress for many years and a speaker at L.A. Congress for many years, including this year, she never before has had her own booth space for Catholic Mom at L.A. Congress. And this year, thanks to um, it belonging to part of the family at Holy Cross Family Ministries, we did have a booth uh, set up just for Catholic Mom with our own Catholic Mom swag. We had some um, some tea we were giving out and information about the website and the upcoming podcast. And it was just a thrill to meet so many people. I think, I think fully half the people that came up to talk to me about Catholic Mom uh, were familiar with the site and told me they use it all the time. And then the other half were people who had never heard of it. So I think this was a really great opportunity to introduce new people to all the great stuff going on at CatholicMom.com and all the things we're looking forward to in the future. So overall, a great success. I'm feeling a little tired, a little rough around the edges from being on not really adjusting ever to West Coast time while I was here, which usually is my strategy when I've come out here before. Um, is just don't bother adjusting. And I get a lot of work done in the mornings when I'm up before anybody else, but it's felt hard, I think, because I was here extra days this time. Funny thing though, I've, you know, Dan at home, he's been, you know, connecting with me every day and we've been talking every night, even after, you know, I've been out for dinner or whatever. And it's not real late here, but it's real late at home. And last night he was joking to me as he was going to sleep around three in the morning, his time. He said, I can't believe that I didn't even get to go to California and I'm suffering from jet lag this week. <laughs> so hopefully we will all get on a regular schedule. I'll be home late tonight. And the snowstorm they were predicting to hit is not coming. At least last time I checked my weather app and I'm not going to open it back up because that was good news and I'm going with it. Um, so hopefully my flight will go as planned and I'll be home late, late tonight. And so happy to be there, happy to get back with the gang, but really a great trip. If ever you have the chance to come out to LA Congress as a participant, or if you run any kind of a um, Catholic business, or if you're an author, it really is a really wonderful opportunity to meet such a wide variety of people working in the church. And that's what I find so encouraging. I always try to make time to just walk around. It's huge. I mean, the, you know, 
the Anaheim Convention Center is just packed with displays of all the different things, all the different ministries, all the different work that's going on inside the church. Not everything's, you know, your cup of tea probably, but you will find some really interesting stuff and stuff you didn't know existed and great ministries and uh, other projects that you want to support. So a great event, but I'm, I'm glad to be going home. So this week, I'm sharing with you a conversation that I had recently with author Amy Schisler. I met Amy when I spoke um, out in Maryland uh, last month, and, oh no, two months ago. It was the end of January, anyway. Um, And she's just a delight. She's a a Catholic mom who's a writer. She writes romance novels, but that aren't like explicitly Catholic or Christian, but they're not, um, but they have those kinds of themes in them. Um, they're, but they're not labeled that way, you know? Um, and I find that such a fascinating genre that when I was talking with her, I said, I've got to have you on the podcast so you can share with the ladies about the great work that you're doing. So, um, I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Amy and be inspired to check out more of your work. Here it is. everybody. I'm super excited to have a special guest here with me on Girlfriends today. Amy Schisler is joining me. Amy has been writing for all of her life. Her first children's book, Crabbing with Granddad, is an autobiographical work about spending a day harvesting the Maryland blue crab. Her debut novel, A Place to Call Home, was released in 2014, and she's gone on to publish several others, including Picture Me, A Mystery, published in 2015, Her critically acclaimed novel, Whispering Vines, published in 2016, and Island of Miracles in 2017. All of Amy's books may be purchased at bookstores as well as all online and major print and ebook sites. Amy personally grew up in Southern Maryland, received her bachelor's degree from Salisbury University, and graduated from the University of Maryland with a master's in library and information science. You're not the first librarian we've had on. <laughs> a former librarian and teacher, she now lives on the eastern shore of Maryland with her husband, three daughters, and two dogs. Welcome, Amy. I'm so glad you're here with me on Girlfriends. Thanks, Danielle. I'm really glad that you had me. I really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to this. Nice. Great. Well, I'm glad you're here. And I, I, I love that you're a librarian and I love libraries and I love librarians, even though I have had a mixed past with some mean librarians in the past who didn't like me returning books late. But <laughs> um, we had Tiffany, who's from a Catholic librarian on, I don't know, probably a year ago now, but I'm thrilled to have you on and thrilled to have an opportunity to get to know a little bit about you and your writings. So you're a fiction writer. I've had a million writers, and probably that's an exaggeration. I've had a lot of writers on the show. We've always talked to writers and people who are doing all different kinds of writing and good work inside the Catholic community, but I don't believe I've had a fiction writer on before. So I'm really interested in hearing more, Amy, about how you got started. Um, I know your bio says you were always a writer. You always enjoyed writing. But what did that look like for you, starting like with your childhood? How was that kind of writer bug uh, cultivated in you? Sure. Well, I am honored to be your first fiction writer. That's exciting. Yeah. And I I really have written my entire life. My mom has books, so to speak, that I wrote when I was a little girl and uh, illustrated them myself, which is just, <laughs> I, I'm much better at writing than illustrating. <laughs> um, and I would, I would literally sew them together with yarn to oh turn them into a book. And um, it's just something that has always come really naturally to me. Mm-hmm. When I was in elementary school, 
for some reason, I wrote a lot of poetry. Actually, I wrote a lot of poetry all the way through college even. Wow. Uh, it was just a way for me to really express my feelings mm-hmm. and um, lament over whatever horrible things seemed to be happening to me as a poor teenage soul. <laughs> um, it, it really was, was a great outlet for me, but I always knew that at some point I wanted to be able to write fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy nonfiction and I, I will read nonfiction, but I love getting lost in stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just always knew that's what I wanted to do. Wow. And um, about uh, maybe about 11 or 12 years ago, I said to my husband, after I'd been a librarian for 15 years, I, I told him, I'm really tired of shelving other people's books. <laughs> and, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. And he is just so incredibly supportive. And he said, OK, what do we need to do to make that happen? Mm-hmm. And and so really it. It was at a good point in our lives, a good point in in his life with his career that I said, I really want to quit my job and stay home and just write. And so he said, let's make it happen. Um, So I did. I wrote my first book. It was rejected and rejected and rejected. (laughs) (laughs) And after I think two years of trying to get it published, I said, okay, obviously this is not what I was meant to do. Mm-hmm. And I went back to work part-time for maybe about three years. And I just was so unhappy. Right. I mean, not generally in life, but I just knew that I wanted to be writing. And mm-hmm. finally went back to my husband and said, do you think it would be okay if... I stopped working this this part-time job and went back to writing. And he just looked at me and said, thank God you have finally realized that's <laughs> what you should have been doing all along. Oh, my gosh. What a sweet man. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so I pulled that book back out and dusted off my keys and looked at it and really almost rewrote the entire thing. And that this time when I sent it to a publisher, it was accepted. Wow. That's so wonderful. That was the beginning of things. I love that story. I absolutely love that you persevered in that way and that your husband was so supportive of you. Because I think people who write know this, but it's it's hard to know necessarily from the outside, just the amount of work that goes into the writing process and that the pain of that rejection and the the personal level on which you can feel that rejection mm-hmm. and then the courage that it really takes and that really a level of dedication and perseverance to get back in there, maybe rework it. You know, I, I think I, that can be one of the toughest parts of the writing process. Do you find that's true? It is. It is true. I, I can write an entire novel in about three months, start to finish. Mm-hmm. And I always say that's the easy part, right? Because then you you have to go back through and and you end up with two, three, sometimes four drafts mm-hmm. and, and, until I get to the point where I think, okay, this is done. Even after something has been published and it's out there, though, I mm-hmm. find that 
sometimes I think, oh, I, I wish I'd have done this a little differently. I <laughs> wish I'd have worded it like this. I wish I had known then. Right, right. I love that. Well, you know, I once yeah. worked with a great editor who said, no, no, no piece of writing is ever finished. That's why we have deadlines so that you say, okay, it's, good, right. it, it's good enough now, you know, because the, the deadline's today, you know? So right. I think That's that you right. could, you could work forever on something um, and never achieve that level of perfection that we're all looking for. But I, I love that. And that can be really painful to the reworking of what you've written. One of the one of the greatest um, writing mentors I ever had in college gave me the advice, like, don't be attached to anything in this. You know, this thing that you've written, you can't afford to be attached to any of it. You need to be ready to cut, delete, remove, change any of it, you know, and that is really painful. And I found that out early on in my own writing career. It, it is. And, and I find, too, as you get farther away from something and and get better at it, like that that very first novel, I'm going to be honest, I look back now and I almost cringe and I think, oh, <laughs> how did that even get accepted? Because I know. Just not that good. (laughs) That's one of my goals at some point is I'd really love to go back to that very first novel and rewrite it again. Oh, wow. And redo it. And every time I mentioned that, my husband said, but that's one less novel that you'll be writing and get out there. Yeah, I think that's true. That's a good point. Your, Your husband sounds like a smart, nice guy. He is. He is. He's a great guy. <laughs> I love that. Well, listen, Amy, I want to talk about the fact that you are writing fiction and you're our first fiction author that we've had on Girlfriends, um, because I think that's kind of a foreign concept inside of our Catholic communities, because are, are you writing specifically for a Catholic audience or are you writing simply from a Catholic perspective? How would you describe it? I write from a Catholic perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, all of my characters for the most part, are Catholic or are at some point in a journey where maybe they become Catholic or they're interested. I didn't set out to, to do that on purpose, mm-hmm. but it's what I know. Right. And and my faith is so, so important to me uh, and is such a part of my life that it just naturally became a part of my writing and a part of my characters' lives. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I... I I usually tell people, depending upon the crowd I'm with or or with whom I'm speaking, I'll say either I'm a clean fiction writer or a Christian fiction writer. Really, at the heart of it, I consider myself a a Catholic fiction writer. Mm -hmm. But in the world of publishing, there is no genre. Right. (laughs) Catholic fiction writing. And and when you talk to somebody about Catholic fiction, they automatically go to Flannery O'Connor right. or somebody. And, and to be honest with you, I write Catholic romance. <laughs> yeah. I'm never going to be put in that category of the great Catholic theologians or fiction writers. But that's okay, because Mm -hmm. I think there's a place for everything. Sure. Of course there is. Yeah. And I love that you you shared that there's not really a Catholic fiction genre. While I think some of us are familiar with Christian titles, Christian romances, you know, from a Protestant perspective, um, do you find that that's challenging with regard to working with publishers or with regard to what your audience is expecting um, to be coming at it from a Catholic perspective as opposed to a Protestant one? 
It, it is. It is. And it's interesting you asked that. I um, My latest novel came out in December, early December, and I was putting it out there for reviews, which today is all that really matters in, in the publishing world is that mm-hmm. you have lots of reviews and they're really, really hard to get. And I, I was looking for people to review and I went to one of my Facebook sites of Christian authors or, and reviewers and asked if people would review it. And one of the reviews came back talking about it, it was a, a good book and she enjoyed the story, et cetera, et cetera. And you can see this on on Amazon. And she said, but it was written from a Catholic perspective. And there are Catholic things in it, like saints. Oh, gosh. However else she worded it. And I I thought, couldn't you just left it at it was a good story? Yeah. Leave (laughs) off that last sentence, especially if you're saying it in a negative way. I mean. (laughs) And that's how I felt. I felt like really it, it was a, you know, it was okay for a Christian book. Mm-hmm. If you remember that it's Catholic. Oh, gosh. Know? Oh, those, am- this was on Amazon, an Amazon yes. review. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Those are some of the worst. Do you find that's true? I mean, do you yes. read them? Do you read them? I Well, I do, because I'm still at the point where I'm really trying to get more. So right, I get really sure. excited when there's a review. <laughs> And then sometimes I do read it and think, oh, why did I read that? Oh, gosh. Okay, Amy, we got to get the Girlfriends community here to start um, reading some of your fiction, your Catholic perspective romance novels, and then giving you some good reviews from a Catholic perspective. I I would give a review from a Catholic perspective myself. So um, I think that we all need to do that to be supportive of you in your ministry. That would be wonderful. I do. I have a a really wonderful group of readers, um, and a a lot of them are ones that I met on a pilgrimage to the Holy Year, Holy Land, a couple of years ago. Oh, cool! And um, they have been so supportive, and and a couple of them, as soon as they saw that go up. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my girlfriends came back and said, it's a great Catholic book and started, she wrote her own counter review to that, <laughs> one, which, which was kind of funny, but really, really nice. I love it. I love it. Now, you're a mom of daughters, correct? Correct. And um, as you're writing this romance fiction, you know, do you keep your daughters in mind? Because what I'm thinking is even some of like some of the romantic comedies or romantic movies that I enjoy, I want to share them with my daughters with a grain of salt. Like Mm -hmm. this, you know, there there's real life and then there's this fantasy world that we can enjoy. Where do your novels fall on that spectrum? And do you do you consider your daughters when you're um, deciding how you're going to approach certain topics in your writing? Absolutely. And, and, And that was when I first set out to write fiction. That was one of the most important things I thought about was I want my children to be able to pick up one of my books and read it. Mm hmm. And um I also want it to not really feel like it's a fantasy right. life. Um, and so my my books are, are written in a way where the storylines are very realistic. The characters are very realistic. Mm-hmm. And I pull a lot of it from real life, from my life, from other people's lives. And that, that's not to say that that you anybody would read it and say, oh, my goodness, this is based on my life. <laughs> I write complete fiction. But as far as 
life experiences or emotions, even mm-hmm. conversations. Yep. Um, I really try to make everything so that when you're reading it, you feel like this person, she's one of your girlfriends. Right. And you're right there living this life with her, wanting to do whatever you can to solve this problem or help her get through this tight spot and reach that happily ever after that's always required in, in a romance of novel. Of course. Yeah, I love yeah. that. And I, I love that you 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 try to incorporate some realism there. Um, real people, real characters, real conversations, because, um, you know, I find, and this is what I try to teach my daughters as well, my sons too, but, you know, when you're talking about romance, that's who your mm-hmm. audience is. Um, the idea that you know, uh, yeah, real life is is not this fantasy romance, and we know with Prince Charming and all that, it's actually better. You know, it's mess- right. it's messier in some ways, but the reality of it is so much better. It, it promises yeah. you so much more than that kind of, you know, fairy tale cutout kind of story. Right, and and my characters have have flaws, sometimes mm-hmm. very big flaws. Um, most of them have a past mm-hmm. that they they need to either. Uh, escape their past or learn how to live with their past. Right. And, and I mean, who doesn't, who doesn't Mm -hmm. have things that we need to escape or learn how to live with or just get past ourselves. Right. I love that dose of reality. Now you've already shared that your husband is supportive of your work and, um, but does he feel um, challenged or threatened by your (laughs) romantic notions? (laughs) How how does he measure up? (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. Um, I, I, I can't really say that there's a whole lot of my husband in my characters. (laughs) Now that I think about it, it's really funny. Except that they're all really supportive and intelligent, and um, I guess really have all of his good qualities. Because I'm not going to write about fictional guys who I want to be real and and somebody that you want to swoon over. Right. If if they're not based on what I know to be true. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so that said, you know, you're, you're writing these characters and and coming up with these stories, like you just said, wanting your reader to swoon over this person. Um, What kinds of elements of healthy relationships do you try to incorporate? Because I know that's part of a Catholic perspective for sure. Oh, absolutely. And um, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I think that as I'm writing the book and you've got this male and female and they're getting closer and things are moving along. And I'm always trying to think, okay, how can I either slow this down Mm -hmm. or make things happen in a tasteful way? Mm -hmm. Um, I will say that none of my characters, well, I have to back up. (laughs) In the story, none of my characters have sex outside of marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's there's actually no if there's any sex in my books, it's behind a closed door. Mm -hmm. Um, I do have characters who, you know, just by things that are said or by what's going on in their life that maybe they have a past. Mm -hmm. Maybe they have done some things in the past that they shouldn't have done. Right. Um, and they're at a point now where they're ready to change that and they're, they're ready to move on. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I, I, 
I'm very, very careful about how I portray the characters and how they handle certain situations. Um, and I don't want to give anything away in sure. case somebody reads the book. So I'm not going to say what book, but in one of them, I felt like the couple was just, they were, they had already gotten past all the troubles in their life. They knew they were going to be together. They had expressed their, or, or came come close to expressing their love for each other. They were kind of at that point where a lot of us know in real life, people would say that old, you know, oh, I love this person. So mm -hmm. whatever we do next is okay. And I thought, what can I do? And so my my poor male character in, in the book suffered a terrible accident in the hospital <laughs> and in bed for weeks. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I, but, but with the storyline, it actually fit and it made sense. And then there were other topics that it allowed me, it, it made her a stronger heroine. It made her mm -hmm. realize what she might've lost. And, mm -hmm. and it makes her really step up in other areas of her life. So oh, that's it, great. You know, but but sometimes I, I do have to think about how <laughs> how can I make this not lead to where so many other romance right. writers are aiming their books for. Sure. You know, they want this to be what everybody is looking for and everyone is is panting right along with the couple in the book. Right. And, right. And and I don't want that in my books. Sure. And there are times when that can happen where it's very appropriate. And as I said, maybe it's, I, I, I have one couple that actually this is in a, in a coming. So this is a little bit of a sneak preview mm -hmm. uh, where they get married before the book is over and there's the wedding night. Mm -hmm. And so it's, I start very simply with the conversation of them in their room that is very sweet and loving and honest. And then it says he locked the door and took his wife to bed. Oh, yeah. And then that's very tasteful. And, and I think that we don't really need any more than that. Right. In novels. And, and believe me, I love Sandra Brown and I love some of the other ones that have a, a lot of things in there. That I don't, <laughs> necessarily what my youngest daughter reading sure and I, but for me I feel like this the the book should be more about the story and the characters mm -hmm. sure than to have to throw in all of that other stuff yeah I mean I think that's just a cheap a cheap gimmick actually I know it sells books for sure um, right. and and you know I've heard it referred to before these romance novels that you know, some women get addicted to as like a, a female version of pornography which I can certainly understand um, the, the little experience I've had um, with those kinds of novels that it, it does appeal to the, the female brain and the female psyche in a way that graphic pornography never would um, but it, it still is sort of an objectification of human relationships and human beings, very similar to pornography. Do you agree? Right. Yes, I do. And, and you don't need, you're a writer, you're not a reader, you're, you're not part of the action, you're not part mm -hmm. of what's going on, and you don't need to see it. Right. You know, you don't need to see what another couple is doing. <laughs> but, you know, we all have our imaginations. We all know what's going on behind that closed door, but we don't need to watch it happen. <laughs> and I, I just feel like that's the same way in books. Yeah. And, 
And one thing I've always told people really, really bothers me to no end if I'm reading a really good suspense novel and the action is just ramping up and, and your heart is beating and the bad guys are right on their heels mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then they stop and rip each other's clothes off. And I think, really? <laughs> is that what you're going to do when when the guy with the gun is just right there on the corner outside the building waiting to come in no oh my gosh and to me that's just so unrealistic and i know there are a lot of people out there a lot of writers who feel if you don't have the the sex in the bedroom scenes that that's not realistic sure yeah but i feel like you know you there are things that that happen in in real life that don't involve that. There's so much other things out there. There's so many other emotions and interactions. Which is a lot more interesting. Right. I (laughs) agree. And I love that you talk about your characters like they're real people, because I know they are to you. (laughs) They really are. I just finished writing, and it's it's with my editor now. I just finished writing my first sequel. And I felt like it was the easiest book I've ever written because I knew the characters so intimately. Right. Well, that's that's how we, you know, you write a good book, right? I mean, you need to be that kind of author. These these characters need to come alive for you so you can make them come alive for your readers. Yes. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, OK, so you've shared a little bit that your books are clean. Would you recommend them for teenagers or do you think they're a little older than that? Um, I have recommended them for teenagers. Uh, I've had people ask me, oh, I'd like to get my daughter or my granddaughter one of your books. Mm-hmm. Um, I I will say that I think having a, a teenager, you're know, recommending it's it can be a very personal thing. Mm-hmm. So. Um, if you're a mother and you're thinking that maybe you're, you, your 16 or 17 year old might enjoy the book, I personally would say you should read it first, Mm -hmm. um, just to make sure, um, because they're not teenage books. They're not about teenagers. Right. about adults. There are some adult situations, which I don't necessarily mean, mean the sex part, but Mm -hmm. you know, there are conversations or other things that happen all of my books have some element of mystery or suspense. They're not necessarily a full mystery novel or suspense novel, but sure. all of them have a little bit of that in there. Um, and and there are ones where I do actually come out and not graphically or say, you know, he was very drawn to her. And he, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. my, I do, which I actually had somebody another reviewer say they didn't like that I described how my male was uh, reacting Mm -hmm. to the female as far and I forget exactly how they how they described it but I thought wow that's just I'm just saying what's what is normal right and and how if he's thinking about her these are the thoughts he's going to have and not at all in an unclean way Mm mm-hmm but something that I, I would just say, 
I think that the books are appropriate. I think they're a heck of a lot better than what a lot of teenagers are reading. With <laughs> yeah, young adult fiction is some of the raunchiest stuff out there. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, from the time we were young, and I, remember, I know I read every Judy Bloom book there is, and oh, some yeah, of sure. those I think, oh, I don't want my daughter reading. No way, no way. They're not on my kids' book lists either. Right. But there's even new stuff being cranked out all the time. I, I browse the shelves at our library, and I'm like, this is being marketed to young girls in particular. Right. It's it's pretty scary. So, yeah, I'm sure your your books are much less scandalous than some of that garbage (laughs) that's being pushed on our kids. I do have one where where there there actually is the conversation in the book about I've been waiting my whole life until I was married and I'm not going to give that up now. Right. These are important topics. And I think it's important to present them in a way that's realistic, um, but also in a way that involves a little bit of that thrill and that fun of the the fantasy part of it as well. Um, You know, before we have to go here, Amy, I want to make sure to um, ask you about how your faith supports your work. I know any any Catholic artist and you've already shared that your books are just from a Catholic perspective because your faith is such an integral part of who you are. Um, In what ways does your your faith support the, the work that you do in the kind of creative process that you use? Well, I, as I said, all of my characters, and, and I didn't start out this way, as I said, it's not planned, but all of my characters um, are at some point usually in, in their Catholic faith life. And so I, looking back on my own life and where I was at certain ages or at certain points in my life, I try to convey that with them um, and and what they might be feeling at a certain point in their lives. Um, and so I do rely heavily on my own faith experiences um, to be able to do that. Um, one of my books, uh, Island of Miracles, um, that actually won an, an Illumination Award for mm-hmm. uh, Best Christian Book of the Year, um, and um, it's up for actually a couple Catholic literary awards. I have my That's fingers great. crossed for. Anyway, um, in that one, I actually have a pretty integral character who is a priest. Oh, uh, cool. Who is based on a, a good friend of mine. Um, and um, he's a priest up in Canada who I met on this Holy Land trip, um, Father Daryl Millet. And... Um, the priest actually, they go to him in this book and, and in the sequel and ask for his help. And he helps the characters get through that and advises them, obviously, from a very Catholic perspective. Sure. Advising as a priest. Mm-hmm. And um, I felt like in, in that particular book, Island of Miracles, because of the topic that the main character is dealing with, I felt like it was really, really important for oh, that for advice sure. to come from a priest and to yeah. have perspective. Yeah. Uh, so and great uh, to have a positive character who is a priest, because I've read plenty of novels with priests in them where the priests are engaged in all sorts of terrible that's behavior. True. That's, so. very true. that's very true. And, and, and there's a, cu- a couple of different um, ones of my books, actually, now that I think about it, probably three or four of them have a priest in there in some capacity, usually just mentioned as the priest when they go to mass on Sundays. Right, right. Um, <laughs> and um, but that's one way mm-hmm. uh, I did last year do a collaboration uh, with a couple of friends of mine who are blog writers. They have a great 
blog that's very funny, but also at times very introspective called Y'all Need Jesus. Oh, I like that. Um, and uh, we did a collaboration um, for Lent, ironically, we're in Lent now. Of course, right. On right. Um, meditations of the Stations of the Cross for moms. Oh, cool. And um, we're actually in the process now of, of trying to seek um, from my local bishop uh, the imprimatur to go in the front of that book. So, oh, that's so great. Working on that. Um, so it's it's not just not just fiction. Um, I write a blog. I do a weekly blog um, on Wednesday mornings. So okay. just a little while ago, and probably the vast majority of my blogs touch on my faith or something that's not not directly, but mm-hmm. it's there. When you read them, it's definitely there. Good. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned the blog because I wanted to make sure before we have to close out here that you can share your website with our listeners so they can check out your books, but then also those weekly blog posts on Wednesday mornings. Yeah, my website is my name, uh, Amy Schisler, uh author, all one word, amyschislerauthor.com. Okay, great. And Schisler is S-C-H-I-S-L-E-R. And I'll have that link in the show notes um, for this episode at daniellebean.com or wherever you're listening to this in the, you know, the show notes on iTunes and whatnot. So people can just click right over and check out all that you have to offer. Well, Amy, I, I want to thank you for taking the time to share about your fiction writing. I absolutely love it. And we're going to have to get everybody reading these books and then posting those Catholic reviews over on Amazon. Let's change (laughs) the world, girlfriends. (laughs) That's right. I would love that. And this has been a lot of fun. And I thank you. And um, I love interacting with readers. So if any, if somebody emails me or comments Mm -hmm. on my site or my Facebook page, I love having conversations with readers and hearing what they have to say or answering questions. So um, by all means, don't be shy. Go ahead and contact me and and um, let me know what you think and what you want to see. Absolutely. Love it, Amy. Thank you so much for taking the time to share with the girlfriends today. God bless you and your work. Thank you, Danielle. You too. Isn't Amy just a delight? I love her and I love the the way that she describes her work and just the down-to-earth way that she approaches being a Catholic and a, a writer at the same time. So I hope you were inspired by what she shared, whether you're a writer or have other projects that you want to pursue, that there is a place for your voice as a Catholic woman in the world of writing or any other creative pursuit that you might have on your heart and in your mind. And now for some feedback. I heard a ton from people about kids in church. So Lori, you're not alone. And actually, speaking of Lori, this, for those of you who didn't hear last week's episode, is um, a woman who wrote to me an email last week and was feeling just really discouraged and, and saddened by a negative comment she received at Mass and just discouraged in a general way in, in her family life and in her vocation as a mom um, and feeling completely unsupported and legitimately feeling that way. Um, but I did hear back from Lori, who gave me a little follow-up. I'm just going to share this for you. She said, thanks for the podcast. I was, have been having... Uh, no, been in a really bad place emotionally. I'm hoping to pull myself out of this postpartum lack of sleep funk I've been in. Uh, it had been a really hard few weeks leading up to that lady's comment. 
and wait, time out there. I just want to say that this really highlighted for me when I read this, you know, like that Lori was in such a bad place. And then here comes this woman's comment. And that woman just went on with her day and probably didn't think again about that mean thing she said to her. We need to be really aware of the impact of our words, that sometimes you you say something and you don't realize where the other person is and how they're going to hear it. And now I know we can't go around just knowing all the time and, you know, always thinking everybody hypersensitive, but just being aware that something that feels like just slightly mean or edgy to you can be devastating to another person who's vulnerable, that really to avoid that kind of negativity whenever we possibly can, just it really, it, it just, it really hit me in the heart when I read that from, you know, just picturing Lori struggling to, you know, keep it together and struggling to, you know, do the right thing and sacrificially so. And this woman's comment just really kind of hit her when her, she was down. Anyway, um, she goes on, it caught me off guard and unaware at a completely weak moment. I'm not saying I'm better, but I'm feeling like, but I'm back to feeling like trying. My prayer life is in shambles, which doesn't help. So I appreciate your prayers and let's all keep praying for Lori, please. I did have time to listen to your podcast on family prayer and generosity. Through those, I am looking to make some positive changes in my prayer life. I'm very tired and very weak, which I feel like any mom in my situation would be. I hope you've gotten good feedback on the podcast and that I wasn't the only one who needed to hear your words. Thank you again, Lori. So Lori, please do. Um, I'm glad to hear you're doing better, but the fact that you're, you're saying you're not, you know, well, yet and that you're, you're still struggling and still feeling weak, you know, get the help that you need, whether it's spiritual support or medical support or um, seeing a therapist or, you know, get what help you need and take care of yourself because your family needs you. And God wants you to fully live out your vocation and experience the joy that he intends for you to find in it. So I want to encourage you to do that. And in the meantime, girlfriends, let's all uh, support Lori with our prayers uh, during the coming week. And speaking of prayers, many of you, I mentioned before, wrote to ask about Taylor, the young mom who, even before she was a young mom, had reached out asking for prayers and we were praying for her because she was struggling with the idea of becoming a mom. Um, and then she found out she was pregnant with twins and then found out there were some anomalies with um, one of the babies that she was carrying. Uh, I did hear back from Taylor and I'm going to read you her update. Uh, Taylor writes, Hi, Danielle. I apologize for not updating you and the listeners sooner. I have been meaning to and just keep forgetting about it. I listened, of course, to your show where you shared my email. So thank you so much for sharing it and for you and your listeners' prayers and for reaching out to me for an update. I really appreciate it so much. So here's the update. We had gone to see the specialist when I was 12 weeks, and he confirmed that there were a lot of things not developing properly on baby A, but also confirmed that baby B looked to be healthy and doing well. The doctor told me all of these scary risks to not only my un my healthy baby, but to my health as well. It was all heartbreaking news. A week later at another ultrasound, we learned that baby A was no longer with us, was no longer living. It's been a little over a month now and me and the other baby's health are doing well. I'm having ultrasounds every two weeks to make sure that baby B, which we recently found out is a boy, is healthy. I still find myself thinking every day, why did I have to lose my baby? Why would God allow me to have two and then one not be healthy? Why did this have to happen to me? I know God did not purposely take my baby. I know God doesn't cause pain and can make beautiful things come out of terrible situations. So I am constantly having this inner battle within myself of why did this happen and trusting in God's plan for me in this baby's life. 
I don't want to say I'm angry at God, but I'm angry at what happened. Just like any terrible things that happen in this world, you just can't help but ask why. I hope one day God will make sense of it all for me. To Danielle and all the listeners, I can't thank you enough for all your prayers and concerns for me and my babies who are complete strangers to you. Thank you isn't even enough. I feel so blessed by all of your prayers and for those of you who have reached out to Danielle for updates on me. I'd love if you can still keep me and my baby boy in your prayers. Prayers for a healthy baby and the rest of my pregnancy. I'll be keeping all of you in my prayers as well. God bless you all. Love, Taylor. So a hard update to hear. And Taylor, absolutely, we will keep you in our prayers. We're so sorry. I'm so sorry for your loss, for the pain you're suffering, for the confusion that you feel in suffering and in that loss. Um, so we're going to be praying for your your strength and your peace and your healing and good health for you and for your baby boy and for your husband who's supporting you through all of this. So please, girlfriends, join me in prayer for Taylor this week and in the many coming weeks. She's got a long road ahead, and that's a really tough way to begin her very first pregnancy and to begin her family life. So um, I think God has special plans for you and your family, Taylor. I don't know what they are, but this is um, a unique kind of burden that's been placed upon you, and I know he's going to bring good things from it. But I'm going to be praying for your peace and um, your comfort and your healing in the meantime. God bless you. Hey, Danielle, it's David. Uh, It's Wednesday. Another great podcast. Safe travels to L.A. One thing to add uh, on small kids at mass. And great, great story, by the way. Uh, Nothing quite like a full-on fight at mass. I don't have any uh, real stories uh, to share. The kids were relatively good. Um, And, you know, if it's any consolation to Lori, I believe her name was... uh, it's hard to remember, you know, both to the good and the bad. It's hard to remember those days um, and how much of a struggle it was. I wish I would have relaxed a bit more um, in the moment. But so I guess two things. One, relax. Don't worry about it. It will certainly get better. Um, don't get too fired up about it. Your kids will uh, someday behave at mass. And then two... I think for all of us who no longer have very small kids to make an effort to go out to, when you see a uh, family with small kids, bringing them to mass, you know, try not to be um, too cheesy about it, but just go up to them after mass and, and tell them thanks for coming and, and, you know, what a great job they're doing and how cute their kids are. Um, You know, as those words put Lori into a, uh, you know, uh, sent her down the road uh, to despair. Um, you know, those other words can be very affirming for people. Um, and um, I always enjoyed hearing those and really, um, you know, not that you're craving those, but it is nice. Um, and for those of us who fought that battle uh, to remember what that's like and, and um, you know, what a tough time in life that is, uh yeah, just let them know you're thinking about them, praying for them, and that they're doing a great job. And and um, you never know, you might make a friend. Uh, that's all I got. I hope your Lynn continues to go well. Um, yeah, enjoy L.A. Uh, Detroit's nice, but it's still winter. Take care. 
Thank you, as always, David, for your contributions. We always like having a male perspective and um, being a regular contributor here with your voice feedback is really actually helpful to all of us here at Girlfriends. So I really appreciate that. And thank you for your perspective on the kids at Mass. I hope it's helpful to Lori. Um, so let's let's keep Lori and Taylor in our prayers in the coming week. All right, Girlfriends, we've got our marching orders. Um, and if you have a need of prayers, Reach out to me. Let me know because I I know people um, and I hear from them all the time. Are, I really do pray for the people that we that share their stories here with us at Girlfriends that reach out to us here at Girlfriends. And prayer is a powerful thing. Like we shared recently in the episode on fasting, I've been experimenting with praying with specific intention on a daily basis this Lenten season, and it's really been such a fruitful exercise and really has opened up my eye my eyes to. The, the fact that in the past I've been, you know, kind of taking prayer for granted or or not really recognizing, fully recognizing the the power of it and what a privilege it is to be able to uh, support one another with prayer and with sacrifice. So um, give us that opportunity to, to serve you in that way. You can always reach me, Danielle, at daniellebean.com. If you have a question or a topic that you'd like me to take up on the podcast, you know I want to hear from you because my hope is that this show will serve you and your needs. And the only way I can do that is if you give me feedback and let me know what you want to hear more of, um, what's really resonating with you, what kinds of questions you have, what struggles you have, what problems can um, we together as a community of girlfriends help you out with. So reach out to me, Danielle, at daniellebean.com. If you want to leave voice feedback like David, you can connect with me on Voxer. That's a nice little app that just sort of turns your phone into a walkie-talkie. You just press a button, talk, and it gets sent right to me. Um, Super simple. The link to connect with me on Voxer is in um, the show notes for every episode of Girlfriends, so you can check it out there. Or if you just want to record your voice on your phone and send it to me by email, that works too. It's totally cool. It's 2018. We can do these awesome things right on our phones. Um, or you can always go to daniellebean.com and click the little tab that says uh, leave voicemail, and you can leave me feedback that way. You don't need any special equipment. You can even do it right from your computer. Okay? Okay. I'd love to hear from you, but thanks for being here for this week. I really appreciate appreciate you joining us week after week. It means the world to me when I see the downloads, when I see that you're really connecting, when I get your feedback, but mostly just knowing that you're a part of this community and um, that it's the, the sh- things that we share here are helpful or encouraging to you. That's so affirming for me and gives me a lot of joy, even in this season of Lent. So thank you for that. I appreciate your presence here. It means a lot to me. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a daniellebean.com production. Know your worth, find your joy.